Today we are again continuing our, our journey with Jesus toward Jerusalem and toward Good Friday and Easter morning. But we've been following Jesus as he shares meals with a whole variety of, of different people and communities in the Gospel of Luke. And today is uh, an extra special story for all of us because it takes place in our own backyard. Today, Luke 19 records Jesus' visit to Jericho. Only Luke seems to leave out bits about the country store and Palmer's Creamy stand. But he does challenge us to, to enter into this story together. And so, like last week, I'm, I'm going to encourage you this morning to try to really imagine the, the, the story that Luke is unfolding for us here. I want you to try specifically to picture yourself in the action today. As we read God's word, what do you see in your mind's eye? What do you feel as, as the different parts of the story are unfolded? Who do you find yourself sympathizing with? What words, what images stand out to you from the passage? And at the end of our passage this morning, I'm going to ask you to come back to these questions. And I'm going to ask you to, to sort of think about and to name where have you found yourself in God's word this morning. So let me, let me pray for us as we, as we start in to Luke 19. Lord, we are grateful that you set your eyes toward Jerusalem and you journeyed with purpose to seek and to save that which was lost. Lord, we are grateful that you have come to proclaim the gospel of freedom and salvation and healing and the restoration of all things, and that you've done that by offering yourself in our place. This morning, I pray that your word would open our eyes to how incredible this good news is to us. May the words of my mouth as I preach, may the words, may the meditations of all of our hearts also be, be found pleasing in your sight. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. This is Luke 19, verse 1. Let me jump ahead here. Go ahead and pass up here. It says, Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. As the story starts out here, we're told, again, Jesus is on this long and lengthy journey from the Galilee to Jerusalem. And Jericho is 
one of his last sort of possible stop off points. Jericho is maybe just slightly further than our Jericho is from Burlington. The, the biblical Jericho is about the same distance to Jerusalem. And in, in the same way that Jericho sort of serves as a bedroom community to Burlington, so the biblical Jericho served as a kind of bedroom community to Jerusalem. Jericho was known at that time in history as a city of priests. It was a desirable place to live. And so many of the people who had leading roles at the temple, they had sort of titles of religious or political authority in Jerusalem, they, they retreated to Jericho to build these lavish and sprawling homes inside the city. It was a, an oasis city. It was a desirable place to be. And so we can imagine as Jesus is, is nearing Jerusalem, there's news that, that he's headed there for the Passover feast. And we could expect that many who were in the city were hoping that Jesus would stop over there before moving on. And maybe that Jesus would take advantage of their hospitality, that he would see all that this city has to offer. Maybe he would choose them out of the crowd, a priest or an important person, to sit down and, and, and share a meal and, and talk shop about religion or, or politics or what's about to take place in Jerusalem before moving on. But Luke tells us it's inside one of these luxury homes that we meet a man named Zacchaeus. And that he is one of these important people who's hoping to see Jesus. Only Zacchaeus is no chief priest. Luke tells us he is a chief tax collector. He's a man who probably bought his villa in Jericho, not from priestly privilege, but by negotiating to be a kind of middleman with the Roman government. And the way this worked, the Romans didn't want the hassle of sort of, you know, collecting taxes on their own. So in each district, they would, they would find a wealthy individual and they would broker a deal. That person would pay Rome a set fee up front the year's tax burden in, in one lump sum. And then they would be given permission to go out and collect each piece of that from every household. But they would tack on their own, you know, sort of finder's fee in the process. And so Zacchaeus was this wealthy man in Jericho. As one of our Bible camp skits this summer acted out this passage, you might think about Zacchaeus as a filthy little weasel with a funny name. <laughs> that was one of the lines. And he was quite literally extorting money from every single neighbor he had in town. But verse 3 tells us that even Zacchaeus, when he hears the report that Jesus is coming to his city, he desires to go out to see him. And the phrase that Luke uses in verse 3 is significant. It says not just that Zacchaeus wanted to see him, but, but that Zacchaeus sought out. He was seeking to see Jesus. Luke wants us to know that Zacchaeus is full of desire. He's full of intention. 
This is no passing whim. He, he's on a quest, like so many other people in Luke's gospel, to witness Jesus' significance, to make sense of who this person is. And we don't, we don't get a backstory as to what provoked this desire in, in Zacchaeus' own life. Maybe he had heard uh, about the fact that Levi, earlier in this gospel, was, was called by Jesus. A, a lower-level tax collector was now one of Jesus' own disciples. We don't know the backstory, but we're led to believe that for some reason, Jesus mattered to Zacchaeus. And so he sets out to seek him and to see him. And we know that Zacchaeus is invested in this attempt because he has to overcome two significant obstacles mentioned in this passage. The first is the fact that Jesus is surrounded by a large crowd. And so not only was, was the crowd sizable in number and, and, and hard to navigate around, but think about Zacchaeus' situation. Every person in that crowd are his neighbors. Every person in the crowd are the, the same people he's been bilking at the tax booth year after year. And so it would be tricky for Zacchaeus to, to slip in unnoticed or, or to tap on someone's shoulder and say, could, could you move out of the way so I can get closer to Jesus? In fact, there are actually quite a number of historical records that tax collectors just like Zacchaeus were stabbed to death in crowds like this by, by people zealous to, to see them overthrown and to see Rome, you know, sort of pushed out of local politics. So Zacchaeus has to navigate the crowd, but the second obstacle is that Zacchaeus is not six foot four. Luke says Zacchaeus is a rather short man. And so from, from the back of the crowd where he would feel safe, he has no way of, of seeing Jesus, no hope of getting that closer look that he desires. And so how does a short guy with a bad reputation seek and see Jesus? Well, this passage says that as Jesus was, was walking through Jericho, verse 1 indicates that, that at some point it becomes apparent that Jesus was passing through the city. That Jesus has actually his eyes on the road leading out of town. And so much to the disappointment of everyone in the city, Jesus must have plans to be somewhere else by nightfall. He's not staying today. And, and Zacchaeus, seeing where Jesus seems to be headed, comes up with an unusual idea. He decides to play a game of hide-and-seek. New Testament scholar Kenneth Bailey, who, who spent most of his life living in the Middle East, notes how in the city of Jericho, there you can still see these, these great sycamore fig trees today. There's a picture of one here. And he notes how, even in Jesus' day, these were prized by the people of Jericho because of their great size. They, they grew to these enormous dimensions. And they were desired because they could later be cut down and milled into giant beams that were, were used to construct these massive you know, palaces and, and luxury homes in Jericho. 
Zacchaeus probably had one of these, you know, above his dining room ceiling as the support for his home. But because they were such large trees, because they had these big, leafy, spreading branches, there were actually a number of local laws that prohibited them from being planted inside city limits. Right? They, they didn't want them to encroach on buildings or property boundaries. So again, the only place that one of these trees could be planted was at least 100 meters outside the city wall, where it wouldn't be in the way. And so verse 4 tells us that Zacchaeus, seeing that Jesus is headed out of town, Zacchaeus runs ahead. He gets away from this crowd that threatens him, and he heads up, he climbs up into the branches of one of these trees. And I think Zacchaeus seeks this out for a couple of reasons. First of all, from way up there in the branches of a big tree, he would have a wonderful place to see Jesus, to spot Jesus as he heads on the road out of Jericho and on to Jerusalem. Right? It's a place where there aren't so many people nearby. But secondly, I think Zacchaeus sees in this tree a place to hide himself. Right? In seeking to see Jesus, he also knows he can't reveal himself. He can't, he can't be exposed to the kind of shame that the crowd would bring him. So picture Zacchaeus in this tree by himself, clinging to a branch, waiting for Jesus to get closer. Zacchaeus, I think, has an ingenious plan hatched for, for hiding and for seeking Jesus in this discreet way. But he doesn't account for one important possibility. What happens if in his desire to see Jesus, Jesus sees him first? Look at verse 5. Again, Jesus is exiting Jericho. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. Verse 5 makes it sound an awful lot. Like Jesus, from, from the time he entered Jericho and marched through the city streets, he has been on a mission to arrive at this particular place. Underneath this particular tree. It seems like Jesus knows there is something he needs to find there. And so as, as Zacchaeus is up in the tree, kind of discreetly peeking through the branches, finally laying eyes on Jesus, we're told Jesus stops and he looks back up into the branches. If Zacchaeus was hiding, Zacchaeus has just been found out. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, get down here. Don't you know that I've come to Jericho to stay with you tonight? All through Luke, we've been reading about Jesus being this desirable dinner guest and people from all, all sorts and, 
and, and places in society asking Jesus over. But this is the first time that we see Jesus inviting himself into somebody's house. Right? He, he insists on imposing on Zacchaeus. And just for fun, picture the scene here in verse 6 with me. Here's, here's probably the richest or one of the richest guys in the city. Probably one of the best dressed. And suddenly he comes picking his way down from the branches to welcome Jesus. It'd be sort of like going to Seattle and seeing Jeff Bezos pop out of some bushes and walk into a Starbucks with, with somebody you've never seen before. Right? I, I have to imagine the disciples were, were sort of chuckling and scratching their heads like, what? what's going on here? I mean, Jesus does a lot of unusual things, but this is near the top of the list. Right? He finds a guy hiding in a tree. It's already an unusual picture, but now imagine Zacchaeus leading Jesus back into the city of Jericho. Right now, Zacchaeus is exposed. He's out in the public eye. And he has to walk past all the priests in their houses, all the people who are still on the street from, from the crowd who just saw Jesus off. And as they walk through the city, everyone sees Jesus following Zacchaeus. And they see Jesus putting down his bags on Zacchaeus' table with plans to stay the night. What has just happened? And so in verse 7, it says, All the people saw this, and they began to mutter. Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus does something remarkable here because he actually puts himself, he, he inserts himself in between the people of Jericho and Zacchaeus. And he steps into this, this relationship that has years of, of pent-up aggression, hostility, and honestly, hatred that's probably justified, right? Zacchaeus is not a likable person. He's probably not a, a misunderstood person. He's not generous in any way, right? Zacchaeus is a creep. He's a person that, that has, has been profiting from the extortion of, of everyday people. And so by entering the house of this sinner, Jesus is not only snubbing more worthy, more righteous persons of his company, I think Jesus is also trampling on their sense of justice. Right? There has to be some discussion here. Is Jesus selling out? I thought Jesus cared about the poor. I thought Jesus preached about inviting the poor to your table. Now what's he doing making friends with a wealthy tax collector? Doesn't Jesus care enough about their suffering to condemn this dirtbag? Verse 7 says the crowd grumbled. Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. 
And the Greek verb here in, in verse 7, which means to receive hospitality, to be a guest, is, is literally taken from a word that means to loosen a traveler's burdens. Right? You can imagine someone weary from the road and, and loosening their burdens in a place of hospitality. So not only would Jesus have been given a, a comfortable place to, to sit and to rest and to lay down his burdens in Zacchaeus' home, but I'm sure he was served a fabulous meal to eat that night. But I think by insisting, by imposing himself on Zacchaeus as a guest, right, it's actually Jesus who's going to demonstrate a greater hospitality. Jesus is going to be hospitable to his host in a way that no one else possibly could. Because by choosing to sit at his table, Jesus is loosening Zacchaeus' burdens. Loosening the, the weight of guilt and shame and isolation and greed. Right, that, that would have destroyed even the possibility for Zacchaeus of real human connection, real friendship. For all of these years, Zacchaeus has been trapped by his shame and by his choices. But I think it's, it's sitting at that table with Jesus. It's the hospitality that Jesus shows his host that causes Zacchaeus to realize how much he's forfeited, how much he's given away, and how deeply lost he is. And so it's, it's in Jesus' radical act of kindness that Zacchaeus is stirred to do something crazy. Right? There's already been a number of unpredictable moments. But now at this, at this meal, probably standing at the head of the table, Zacchaeus, possibly raising a glass, gets up to make an announcement. Look at verses 8, 9, and 10. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up. And he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek. Same word as back in verse 3. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I think this is an incredible picture of how the gospel thinks about justice. How the gospel envisions redemption. How does Jesus go about healing the, the vicious cycle of, of poverty and greed and pride and hatred that exists in this city between Zacchaeus and the people? Right? He could have called Zacchaeus out and he could have shamed, them, shamed him in front of, of all the people and told him what he needed to do to be a righteous man. But instead of shaming Jesus shows mercy. Jesus 
affects salvation for the poorest people in this city by showing radical love to their enemy. Only in the gospel of Jesus do we experience this kind of power. And so Zacchaeus gives us a picture of a person who not only receives the mercy of Jesus, but now responds in kind. And he says, today I am releasing back all that I have stolen. And he says, I will give half of my money today to the poor. And he allocates the other half of his possessions to make restitution for everyone else he's cheated. And so we have this man who started out seeking to see Jesus. But to do so, he had to hide himself in the branches of a sycamore tree. Only to discover that Jesus came seeking him. Verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so Zacchaeus is found. Zacchaeus doesn't have to hide anymore. Zacchaeus acknowledges his actions. And Jesus invites him into a life of discipleship. I want to finish by leaving you with a question started with. Where do you see yourself in this story? Who are you in this story? Every person in Luke 19 is seeking Jesus. They're wanting to get closer to him. But they all come from different places. Maybe you're with the the priests in the crowd, and and you're, you're hoping that Jesus will notice you because of your uprightness, because of your steadiness, because of your kindness, because of your goodness. You're hoping that the Son of Man will find you. Maybe you're more like Zacchaeus. Maybe you desire to be close to Jesus, but you feel prevented by by shame. Maybe by your own self-criticism. You want to get closer to Jesus, but you find yourself hiding instead. Or maybe, maybe you're not either of those. Maybe you're with, with the crowd in their righteous anger. Burning inside at the Zacchaeuses of our world who are blind to the harm they do to others. And you just wish Jesus would let him have it. Again, every single one of these persons is seeking Jesus. But I think the gospel would say every single one of them is also lost. They are lost and missing something. They are lost and missing part of their inheritance as sons or daughters of Abraham. So I want to leave you with these words again. I want you to hear them for yourself. That today the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. What would it be like for Jesus to find you?